Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. Joining me today, Zach Weiss of Across the Cavs and Dan Glinski of King James Gospel. What's up, guys? What up, what up? Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Today, we're going to be ranking all of the Cavaliers' first-round picks since 2010. So in this exercise, we include all of our own first-round picks, any picks that we traded to get something else, and I also included Kevin Porter Jr., who we traded for. So we'll start from the top and go on down. I think this is the consensus number one. I had, at the top of my board, Kyrie. Any, any argument there? Yeah, I'll argue that he should be not only number one, but the alpha Cavs draft pick other than LeBron of the last 25 years. Dan? Uh, I'm with Zach on that. Yeah. Six seasons, four All-Stars, won a championship, obviously. He was a number one overall pick. So, yeah, not a whole lot of debate there. I'm interested to see who do you guys have at number two. Dan, we'll start with you. Um, I, I have basically Andrew Wiggins and Anthony Bennett just because it led to Kevin Love. So I packaged those two essentially for that. Zach, what'd you have? So I did not include Wiggins on my list at all. I know he played summer league and he was technically, a, it was actually this date. It's funny you say that it was this date in 2014 that the trade was official and Kevin Love became a Cavalier as we're here on the 23rd, but no, because I don't have Wiggins, my number two is Tristan Thompson. He's uh, Kyrie's draft brother, still a Cavalier, a uh, couple years after Kyrie, three seasons now. He's done a lot. He helped them win the title. He's, and in the playoff runs leading up to it, he took on a different role from starting power forward to backup center to starting center. It's kind of a whirlwind for him, but he stayed there. He stayed loyal to the team, and he's won them a couple of games, and now in a time where it's very hard for the Cavs to win, so... Is I do think they'll retire 13 in the long term, given how long he's been there and how much he's meant. So uh, TT is my number two without Wiggins there. Yeah. I had, I know Zach, you didn't include Wiggins. I also had Wiggins at number two. I didn't package him with Anthony Bennett. We can get to him later. But yeah, just the, the trade for love. Kevin has spent now six seasons here. One Had two All-Stars, was on the 2016 team. I also had Tristan Thompson at number three. Obviously, he spent nine seasons here, won a ring. I think that Tristan will end up having his jersey retired by Cleveland. I think he absolutely should. Dan, did you have him there too? Uh, yes, I did actually. But um, yeah, he's he's been such a loyal Cav, uh, given them so much for so long. But uh, to me, I, I just think the retirement of Tristan Thompson's jersey. I, I like. He'll, granted, I, I would bet on him having that be the case, but I, I personally don't see him as a retirement of Jersey type of guy. But f- knowing how the Cavs have Nate Thurmond up there, who was here for pretty much a cup of coffee, like, so, but yeah, I, I have him number three. Zach, who'd you have at number three? My number three, given I did not have Mr. Wiggins, it might be a surprise, it might not. Given the fact that the Cavs have had so many, uh, They've hit a few home runs, but they've had just as many uh, swing and miss strikeouts. My number three is a man who's got a lot of hair on his head. He likes to smack the ground to wake up everybody. And my guy is (laughs) Colin Sexton. I think that he's already proven that he's uh, pretty close to being an all-star. I think a couple guys need to switch conferences for it to happen sooner. 
but man can score. He's led the Cavs a lot. He put all the negative noise of his rookie season aside and only got better and better. He showed up John Wall twice. This year he dropped 40-burger, and he's just become such a nice player. And I know he's only played two years and only one and a half, one and three-quarter seasons, I guess, because this year was cut short. But guys, Colin Sexton is already the next great Cavalier to wear number two. Dan, who do you have? Yeah, I have uh, number four. I have Colin. Um, just just to piggyback off what Zach said, uh, he's just such a gifted scorer. I, I think he his growth this past season, uh, he could have been averaging 23.5-ish points a game, uh, or could be, I'm saying, next season. Just the sky's the limit for him as a scorer, and yeah, the next great guy to tour number two. I don't know if you guys had Kevin Porter on your boards. I know that that was technically a pick that we traded for, but I had Kevin Porter at number four. I think of the young pieces that we have, I still think he has the highest ceiling. And just because we drafted Colin Sexton at eight, which I think was a, it ended up being a good pick. You could argue that you know Shea was still on the board, but. Obviously, I love Colin Sexton, and I actually had him next on my list. But just getting Porter with the last pick in the first round, even though it cost four second rounders, I had him at number four on my list. Zach, who did you have? You're at four now, aren't you? Yep. So Who'd you have? If, by the way, if we added KPJ, he'd probably come in at fifth on mine, still currently behind this guy. I'm sh- we may or may agree, may or may not agree. I think we might. Uh, my fourth is Dion Waiters. I know his time was marred with a lot of controversy, none of which he stirred up. The the Kyrie Dion drama was all fabricated by the media, and of course we know that Kyrie signs his extension, five year, ninety million, which was the max at that time that he was eligible for. The very first day of free agency, putting those rumors to rest. I think Dion was an electric player for his few seasons, and guys, given that he was a sixth man in college. Coming in as the number four pick and start one pick away from Bradley Beal, he'd probably be number two on this list if he had fallen one more. But God, Dion was, I thought, an electric score. I, I just go back to that Pistons comeback when they were down 21 in the fourth, and he and Delhi guided them back. Dion's winner. He can get his own shot. I felt that no matter who the Cavs were playing, if it was a close game in the fourth, if Kyrie's being doubled, you go right to Dion, he gets his shot. We still see that being true now, occasionally with the Lakers, but. When Dion was a Cav, I just loved what he brought, and I thought he was a matchup nightmare for so many guards, given his young age and lack of professional experience. That's interesting. I had Dion quite a bit lower than that. Dan, you're at number five, aren't you? Yeah, I for this, um, I, this is where I put KPJ at. Uh, yeah, his we saw glimpses of what he can do last season, and given that he played for, there's plenty of circumstances that probably behind closed doors we we just scraped the surface about um, at USC that he only started four games there uh, barely played over half of games which was probably a travesty there but there was a lot going on but he's just such a gifted player uh, just I think next season we'll see a microwave scoring element out of him uh, game to game and I just think he has such a high two-way ceiling, uh, could potentially be an all-star for the Cavs, which for them to draft all-stars is not something that we see every day. So, yeah, that's I have him at fifth, but I have to go Sexton before him just for now. Okay. Uh, then 
Zach, you said if you had him fifth, or if you would have had him on your board, you would have had KPJ at five. Yeah, right. Just because he proved a lot, but there were also some nights he was he was quiet as a mouse. I know he was a rookie. He's young. He played one year in college, slipped to the end of the first round. I think he's going to move up this list, potentially up there in the top, my top three with Sexton. It'll take a lot from the past Tristan, but yeah, I'd have KPJ right behind Dion, given just their Cav contributions to date. Okay. At number six, I had Dylan Windler. He didn't play it all this season. Injuries I don't think are going to be a long-term concern, though. And just looking at everybody behind him, including Dion Waiters, I just think the value of a shooter who could potentially be a starter for this team, not a super you know high-level, all-star caliber guy ever, but somebody who I think could really be, you know, just a long-term shooting wing, solid player, looking like he, you know, the type of player that has a long career. I had him come in at six. Wow, I, I thought I'd be the only one with that. So um, I, oh, really? I, have, I have Windler at six as well. I, I just think, saw a lot of him at Belmont, and I, I think casual Cavs fans don't realize what he can do off the bounce. He's actually... Got a, a much, much higher handle. I mean, I, than Jay Yasmin, which I guess isn't saying a whole lot, but comparatively, I, I think he could really be a big time player for the Cavs. Um, not, not an all star level player. No, but, uh, just the way he plays, he can really do a lot of secondary playmaking for you. He's, he has real pick and roll ability, which frankly, Jetty doesn't have and doesn't really need. And he shoots so well off of movement, even at this age. So um, I I think he could really make it a lot of contributions for the Cavs for a long time. And he's kind he's an underrated at like defender as well. Just a really heady player. That's gets so many steals and deflections and honestly blocks um, on the strong and weak side. So I I think he's up there for me as well. Well, I uh, guess I'm on an island here. <laughs> Windler's not. So I'm on number five. And just because he has – I'm very excited at what he's going to do. I also think Windler's role will be defined by the Cavs draft as well. If they decide to draft a wing, they end up with Osman and Windler and a potential wing. I have no – draft is for another time. I don't know you guys will handle that. But I have Darius Garland next. I, I know he had a very up-and-down season. His shooting percentages were not great. He apparently ranked one of the worst players on some – but, but whatever this rating is, it also said that Colin Sexton and Jetty Osmond were the worst defenders in the league last year. And watching all the enough Cavs game tells me, watching enough games, I watched enough games to know that they're, they were not. I don't know what these numbers are. There's too many advanced statistics sometimes these days. But Garland, I watch him. He's capable of making shots. He's a very good passer. He's got a little bounce. And look, I know guys that Darius Garland is well behind Sexton. And I, I think... His future is obviously up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen. There's already a lot of doubters after one season. But he still averaged, what, 12 points and four assists in his first year on a team that had a head coach that had never coached in the pros. He had to deal with the several different situations. You know, he was a starter, playing a lot next to Colin. And then he'd get pulled four minutes into games and lead the second unit when Colin was out. They tried to space their minutes out. So given all that and... Uh, <laughs> shaky roster i thought he still had a very nice season and it gives me enough to put him ahead of windler who's yet to play that's fair and i will just say real quick colin and uh, jetty were pretty rough on the defensive end jetty got beat off the dribble pretty routinely and colin well, I, I, we, we've, we've gone into this before but i think 
Colin has the potential to be a not bad defender, but he was a pretty bad defender this year. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I believe it was uh, ESPN's real defensive plus minus, but uh, it was either that or the 538 Raptor metric, like the defensive metric. But um, needless to say, yeah, Colin and Jetty have a ways to go defensively, but uh, Colin also last season was defending mostly twos, which were guys that were often 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, so I gave him a little bit of slack there and – Frankly, on ball, Colin Sexton was, I thought the statistics were a little misleading just because he often was in the right position. He just didn't have, often was being or defending guys a lot bigger than him in terms of height. So uh, even though he has a six, a respectable 6'6 six, six wingspan, there was sometimes he just, guys just shot over him. It wasn't really his fault, but um, his, he definitely made strides defensively, but has a ways to go in terms of rotating, getting through off-ball screens to contest shooters, that sort of thing. But Jetty, frankly, defensively, is a disaster. So just to further clarify that. He's great at taking charges. I think he, he, he uh, led the team this year, upper 20s. Yeah, you know what? He does do that well, actually. He has good timing on that. I'll give you that. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and our other two team-focused NBA pods, Grizz and Grind, and Nuck if you buck. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Coming in after Din on my list was Darius Garland. I think this is where you start getting into the, uh, like, the meh picks for me, kind of, as far as, you know, not bad, but... And this isn't to say anything about Darius as a player. It's just when you look at where he was selected fifth overall, you know, I, I don't know exactly what we're going to get at Darius Garland right now. And the book is, you know, far from closed on him. He could come out and have a great season next year. It's just... That pick that high is just looking a little bit shaky to me right now. Yeah, that's that's fair. I have Garland at seven as well. Um, uh, yeah, just to piggy off or piggyback off what Zach said earlier about Garland, I, I he had yeah the circumstances were far from stellar. Um, John Beeline was. It just seemed when John Beeline was the head coach, he was. For at least the first month and a half of the year, he just seemed like he was constantly second guessing. Um, you just didn't see aggression from him offensively. He just wasn't playing with conviction night to night. And it, it, I frankly put some of that on Beeline just because he would have him trying to make uh, spectacular passes all the time instead of sometimes just moving the ball, initiating the offense. He just constantly was dribbling and dribbling and dribbling. So he couldn't really look for his shot as much. And I think for a shot first guard, that's kind of hard, a hard adjustment for him. So um, I have him there too, but um, I, I think he's going to have a bounce back year this year. If I had to bet on it, I think JB Bickerstaff will do warners for him. And honestly, Lindsey Gottlieb seemed to, as the season went on um, from reports from Fedor and Evan Damerell and that sort of thing. But um yeah, for Garland, I think for the Cavs, 
I think he'll play out this year with them, but I think looking at the 2021 draft and how loaded that is, he would seem to be a guy that they would look to trade during that next draft class. But um, I, could he be a longtime cab? Sure, we'll see. But it's it's tough to say right now. Yeah. It, yeah, guys, this is where I have Dylan Windler. So I love everything I heard about Darius. Quick, I don't have much to add, actually, on uh, Dylan Windler. I think that you guys both, Dan, uh, drove home every point that could possibly be made. I think he's an upgrade over Jetty in a lot of areas. Still unsure what his role is going to be, but I look forward to having him on the court. I think he could play anywhere from the two to the four. Not quite tall enough for small ball five. The Cavs are never going to need that because they have so many other options there. But I look forward to what he can do at any of those positions. I think what the Cavs have been missing and why I I personally thought Edwards was going to be the guy for them for a while is because they just don't have spot-up shooters. They've Other than in the LeBron era, they've never really had that guy that can just bury a shot when you need it. I think Windler could be that shot maker for them when they're trying to extend a lead or if one of their stars is getting a rest, they need that guy to come in and score. I think that could be Windler. And I think that's the last thing I can add to what you said on where he could be effective and I do think I'll move up my list ahead of Garland if he does what we think he's going to do next year. Looking at who I had next on my list, I'm at number eight now. I had the Tyus Jones pick, who Tyus never played for Cleveland. He was drafted 24th overall. That pick was essentially traded for multiple things, but it ended up basically being Jetty Osmond. That's what we got out of that trade. Osmond was an early second-round pick. Osmond obviously has been a fine player. He's, you know, He's been here for a while now, and I like him as a player. Again, we've, we've gone into Osman before as well. Somebody who's not a long-term starter, not a long-term big minutes player probably, but somebody who, if, if, if he's a 15-minute rotation player, you know, I think you're happy with that, and I think Jetty's a piece that we could see around for a while, and just as far as, you know, off the court, he's somebody that's, you know, kind of a fan favorite, so... I had the Jetty trade here, I guess you can say. The one knock on it is while Osmond has, as I've said, been a fine player, would Tyus have been better for Cleveland? That's that's an interesting point to make. I'll, I'll slide in here. Uh, I think Tyus could, could have been nice. I mean, they could have, I'm not sure how many minutes he would have gotten in the LeBron era as a backup guard. I mean, we saw, we haven't seen too many young guys get regular playing times. Everyone was hyped up on Kay Felder, and I, th- I don't think he saw the court much. Uh, Joe Harris did, lost all his minutes because they picked up veterans to aid the team. I just I don't think he would have gotten minutes until LeBron left, consistently at least. And given that they went for the likes of George Hill as a backup guard, you know, Jordan Clarkson, they wanted guys that were already proven. I don't know that he'd get the same chance we saw he got in Minnesota that led to his nice contract with the Grizzlies. Yeah, I completely agree with Zach. Uh, I, I really like Tyus Jones as a player when he's healthy. Um, one of the better defensive ones in the league. Um, just a really heady player. And his his shot, he can create his own shots some. Um, runs the floor pretty well, gets guys involved. But yeah, with the Cavs back then, it's, it's hard to, to have seen him getting minutes um, regularly. But uh, yeah, I... It's it's a fair point, though. Dan, who'd you have next? Um, this is where I had Dion Waiters. Uh, I personally am not a big Waiters guy, but I he's a better player at this point, or I should say, throughout his career has has had a made a decent career for himself, and I, I just had to have him over Jetty Osmond um, just because he can 
at times be a microwave scorer. And given what Zach said about him being a six man in college for him to be still be around and kind of uh, when he was on the heat, it seemed like he was really going to ascend uh, with them seemed to fit into their culture well. And, but then the injury bug really hit him hard. So, um, but for the Cavs, there were, there were plenty of instances when he was getting buckets for him. But I, I don't know if the media really drove that home with him and Kyrie. I think there was more to that than we really know. And he just does not, in terms of impacting winning and getting you in that sort of realm that is just was just not a good guy to have around i'm sorry yeah fair uh my my next is obviously a little different because i didn't package him with wiggins i i only included players on my list that were personally drafted by the Cavs, so I've, that's only the couple differences but i have anthony bennett here at number seven uh it was a weird rookie season and uh, to quote uh, i'm sure you guys have all seen that 70s show at picture day they come trying to come up with a quote <laughs> And they say, what a long, strange trip it's been. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> That's how I described the Anthony Bennett experience. I watched almost every game he played in. There were times on the offensive end where he looked all right. There was that one game against the Magic that we all tweet highlights of almost every week to remind people that he had a good game in a Cleveland uniform when he helped close them out. But Anthony Bennett was a... Interesting guy. I, he wasn't my only hope for the Cavs in that draft was don't take Nerlens Noel. I wanted somebody that can come in and play right away because I knew that team still had a lot of work to do. I didn't want to see them draft someone and sit on the shelf, which is apparently a popular strategy now. I'm glad the Cavs still don't draft those injured guys to stash them. But drafted Bennett. We know he had some. He had bad asthma. He had some sleeping issues, some weight problems, and all those things kind of made made the other worse. He got on the court, I think, for 53 games. He had a couple of good moments, like we'd see him get a dunk or make a three, but then I just couldn't stand watching him play defense. I don't know how much you guys remember, but every time he was on D, this, I know he's seven. He's ahead of two other guys on my list, which we'll get to later, but Bennett would be covering inside, right? He has a guy in the post. I just remember every time he's coming to run up, put his hands up on the guy at the top of the key, then try and get back to his man in the paint, and it's just... There's so much to dislike, and yet what a long, strange trip it's been. He's out of the league. He was on four teams in four years, and he did help net Kevin Love. So thank you, Anthony. And I hate that it didn't work out because sometimes you just find a guy no one's ever heard of that turns into a star. I guess it never happens at number one, and that's why it didn't work out. I agree with a lot of that. I On my list, I did have Dion Waiters at nine. Kind of going back to what you said, Dan, I, I think it just it, – it never really – was going to work with him and Kyrie. I think we had some fun moments with Dion. I think that that's kind of been been the thing with him wherever he's gone. Is that there's been some good moments. We remember the Rising Stars game where he caught fire. Obviously, he had fun moments, but just two and a half seasons out of your your number four overall pick, and especially considering that he went two spots ahead of Willard, which again you had Kyrie. Drafting Lillard would have been a little bit interesting there, although we did see it kind of with Sexton and Garland. But I had Dion below the Jetty pick at number nine. Well, at number nine, I have basically the Jetty pick, Tyus Jones. Yeah. Um, as you alluded to. Um, again, Jetty has, I think the Cavs 
player development staff has really done a nice job with him. And he's kind of leaned into that kind of spot up wing shooter role. Uh, and I don't want to completely marginalize Jetty. He's, he's a nice player to have in stretches. I think he'll eventually settle in at about 16, 17, maybe minutes a game, but you just, you want a hell of a lot more out of a starting three in, in today's league. That's really the premier position. And, but for him, he was essentially the 31st overall pick. I, I mean, everybody wants to point to guys like Jimmy Butler where he was picked, but were we ever expecting that kind of player out of Jetty Osmond? No. And he's, he's been a decent project for the Cavs. I, he's seems to have a great work ethic. Um, he, he seems to be a heady player. You see him make – doesn't necessarily have the passing, I guess, execution that you'd like to see at the passes he attempts, but uh, can handle it a little bit. And good grab-and-go threat, really excels in transition. But his finishing is pretty eh for his size, and defensively is just a, is just a train wreck. So Fair points. Zach, do you have anyone else on your list? Yeah, I got two more guys. So this is my eighth spot. This 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 dude helped us land uh, the legendary Luke Walton on our team. This is Christian Iyenga, who I, I did some research a couple months ago, just kind of looking back at him because I had actually created an NBA trivia game, and I, I thought when the Cavs drafted him, he was actually the first player from the Congo, and that had been drilled in my mind for 10 years. It turned out Serge Ibaka was drafted the year before from there so he is not the first one anyway that that, that, that that mini anecdote christian ienga was well didn't play his first year i think he stayed overseas so that they didn't have to pay him and they could keep pennies on the dollar to give lebron the best possible team what was his final season in cleveland when he did play i didn't see much he was very athletic i also don't think he got a fair nba shake like a lot of guys don't if they're not good right away I don't know what happened to him or where he's playing now. I think he's still playing some country, still getting buckets somewhere. But Christian Iyenga, guys, was a weird calf. I really don't have much to say. I don't remember what his strengths and weaknesses were. I'm pretty sure he was athletic and he could dunk, and his defense was pretty weak. I don't remember much about Christian Iyenga, but I do remember he played one year. He was the first-round pick on him, and he made no credible contribution outside of one or two dunk highlights. Yeah. Christian Iango was actually drafted in 2009, so I didn't even have him on my list. I oh, guess. right, right. One year too early. <laughs> I would put him after this next one that I have, I guess. So he would be technically 11th on my list. Number 10, I had the Jared Cunningham pick, which was the 24th overall pick, which we traded along with Jay Crowder and well, the pick that became Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder and some other scraps to get Tyler Zeller, who was a mad backup center for two seasons. Not a whole lot to say about Tyler Zeller. He could hit an, he could hit the elbow jump shot. He was fine to below average. To trade up and give up a guy like Jay Crowder, who didn't find success right away. That pick went to Dallas. He didn't really find any success till he went to Boston. But overall, just rough to trade up to get a guy like Zeller, who didn't last in Cleveland. It didn't make much of an impression when he was there. Uh, well, I'm going to say ditto to all of that. Um, I, I have 
the same spot at number 10, I guess, Cunningham, if you will. Um, yeah, Tyler Zeller was an experience is the way I would put it. Uh, I think people thought coming out uh, at UNC, he had a, a good career, I believe, was a four-year guy there. Um, contributed to winning to his credit, but it's not as though they didn't have a lot of uh, terrific recruits around him. So, uh, yeah, he could make – I think people in Cleveland initially were – really big fans of Zeller for whatever reason. But uh, I think there were some comparisons to Z uh, in the local media from Zeller, but was not anything close to a rim protector. I never understood that. And was a an okay rebounder, played hard. Uh, defensively seemed to be aware, but just – when he tried to drop in the pick and roll, it just it was just a disaster. And outside of the wide open fifteen to sixteen baseline jumper ish, uh, there there wasn't a whole lot to be said about Tyler Zeller. So, um, yeah, that's my take, Zach. Yeah. So uh, am I? We got number nine now. Kinda, I think this is going to be your last pick. Right? My number nine. All right, this is my final player. We'll call this the OG Delavadova ranking because Matthew Delavadova wore nine for half a season. And, you know, classic. <laughs> and Luol Dang's like, yeah, uh, can I get nine? He's like, all right. And then Channing's <laughs> like, can I get nine? He's like, all right. It's a legendary number, number nine. Luol Dang, Dwayne Wade. <laughs> Matthew Deli. <laughs> Matthew Deli. I wish he was a first-round pick or even a pick so I could just sneak it. If he was 59th, I'd still find a way to sneak him into the first round of my ranking. But no, uh, my last guy was part of the Tyler Zeller to Brooklyn trade. He was out of the NBA after two years. He was supposed to be the next great shooter. Perhaps he was supposed to be what Windler's going to be next year. Sergei Karasov. He was fun to play with in 2K14, despite being rated 60 overall. I'll say that. <laughs> He was a B from three, so no matter what, um, I'm the Cavs, I get him in. But I watched him on the Cavs. He never really got regular minutes. A little confused by his fit. I, I, I didn't like the job that Mike Brown did with that team, to be completely honest. The fact that they won 33 games in his first year back after they had gone through Byron Scott, who couldn't help them win much. I thought Byron was a good was a good man, but not a good fit for the Cavs, as same with the end of his career coaching with the Lakers and finishing off uh, Kobe's late uh, seasons. But Karasov's never got comfortable. He never made enough shots. I, I really can't remember many games unless it was towards the end of the season where he even played 25-plus minutes to show what he's got. He was a first-round pick. He did at least play for the team and wasn't used to acquire Tyler Seller. But <laughs> he, I mean, he's got a great name. I wish I, he could have played long enough for me to wear Karasov on my back, but I don't think it's worth the investment anymore, even if it's on eBay for five ninety nine. So, <laughs> yeah, I had uh, I had Karasov as my number eleven pick, my second to last pick. He spent most of that season with the Charge. Obviously, I didn't watch any of those games, but obviously didn't do enough to impress anybody. He spent he played twenty two games in his one season with Cleveland. Seven minutes a game throughout that. And yeah, just got traded to Brooklyn. I think he, he suffered some knee injuries in Brooklyn and was just was out of the league after that. Not ideal for a 19th overall pick. Yeah, I have uh, 
Sergey Sergey Karasev there as well, and I'm not really sure if that's going to be five ninety nine on eBay. That seems pretty steep, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's not really a whole lot to say. I think that's a fair point on two K. I, I do remember playing him a little bit in that spot. He was had a kind of a wonky release, but uh, pr- decent shooter. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, maybe if he had more minutes, he he could have proven himself a little bit more, but. Mike Brown doesn't love guys that don't play defense. So, uh, that didn't really happen. And he was, I, I guess I maybe should have had him a couple spots up because he did eventually lead to part of a deal leading to Sir Dominic Pointer. So, uh, yeah. That's uh, I, a fair I, point. I didn't think I, about that. I, I, I did just remember that. So, um, Sir Dominic Pointer actually in the, Games I've seen from the can charge, actually, he's, he's an active defender. Maybe this season he could have had a little bit of burn, but that didn't end up happening as as the Cavs typically bring people up to sit him on the bench. So Matt Mooney did play 20 minutes in one game. but Yes, he, he did. He just was afraid to shoot, clearly. Yeah, I really wanted him to score. Now, we could have had the bet. social content could have been through the roof. Matt Mooney could have been the next Kyrie Irving. but Yeah, that... I, I want to see Matt Mooney actually play on the Cavs, but I just I don't see it ever happening. Yeah, I expect him to still be on a two-way next year, so we'll see what happens then. But, um, yeah, Sir Dominic Pointer was, I think he finished second in the G League for Defensive Player of the Year, so I guess Cavs fans can hang their head on that with Sergei Karasev. The last pick on my list. Do either of you have anything left? My list is empty. Your list is empty. Dan, I know you had... Anthony Bennett packaged with Andrew Wiggins. Zach, you actually had Anthony Bennett pretty high. I had Anthony Bennett as the number 12 last pick on mine. Had one season in Cleveland, 4.2 points per game. I think we've touched on pretty much everything there. Is there a bigger, is there a bigger number one overall pick bust in the history of the league? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I understand. No, I, no. I want to just I just want to play the audio of Stephen A. Smith on Sports Center talking about the Kwame Brown trade. <laughs> See, Kwame Brown was an actual NBA player. I know though. for twelve years, but he was perceived to be worse than Bennett was, even though they didn't. Their careers just missed overlapping. Kwame, I think, played his year with the Sixers right before. But I look at this. Bennett probably has to be the worst. I mean, Greg Oden was never bad, and he did show a little promise. Bennett maybe had four, five good games in his NBA life. I wish that Brooklyn or Toronto or Phoenix or Minnesota could have caught on somewhere. I hate that he didn't. I, don't, I just did see a few good games, which is why he's higher than Karasov, who I didn't see a single solid performance from, or Iyengar, who may have scored 10 points once. I mean, they may as well have just drafted Manny Harris over Christian Iyengar because he was actually a baller, but um, <laughs> for a little bit. Um, yeah, Bennett's probably the worst number one pick. I mean... We were pretty close to getting Markel Fultz into that conversation, even though he had a good first season. But now he's healthy and crushing it again, and I'm happy he'll never be a bust, per se, because I think he's going to have a nice career in Orlando. Yeah, I think I think Fultz is raising himself out of that conversation now. So, yep. Dan, you got anybody who even comes close? <sighs> no, I really don't. Uh, I, Yeah, I just, I just can't believe that they, they picked Anthony Bennett. I still can't. Hard knock life. Oh God, it's just just gives me uh, 
puts puts lines in my forehead thinking about Anthony Bennett. <laughs> All right. Well, either you have anything else to say before we get out of here? Uh, I think I had I had a thought, but if if one of you if Dan has something to say, I could try and think about it before we close out. If not, I'll just save it for another time. Any rants, Dan, that you want to go on? Uh, no, but I think I'm going to look for that Karasev thing on eBay. That sounds very interesting. Hold on, I'm going to look up real quick a, a Sergey Karasev jersey. That that was just kind of part of my. I'm going to check too. If that were five ninety nine, I'd be very, I'd be shocked because with shipping, it's got to be like it's got to be like ten fifty now. Sergey Karasev. They have an exquisite rookie card of his for eleven ninety nine. They have a Brooklyn card for twelve. Game used jer- a warm up of his for one fifty. We got wow. I don't see a. Jer- I see a rookie card for three dollars and sixty nine cents. Oh, there's no. Oh, there's a why. Why is there a Cavaliers card of Sergey that's got the like the that's shiny? I would not have expected a a patini a panini titanium draft card for eight dollars for the great Sergey Karasov. You know, I'm, I'm gonna forget what I was even gonna try and think of because that is just beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is throwing me for a loop. I'm on okay, so this is on China-cheapjerseys.com. And I found a Sergey jersey, number 10 Cavs, for 1999. So you might be out of luck. Ooh. Sergey Karasev, uh Fanatics Authentic Player Worn number 10 black and white road warm-up from 2014-15. Almost gone. $299.99. Oh wow. You're better at this than I am. All right, here we go. I'm about to see. Uh, let's see. Oh boy, right, guys, I think uh, my uh, my check. It, I'm. Oh wow. That's. Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm, we're better off just going on an even cheaper site, getting a custom misspelling his name. Like everybody hates Chris, and they get a Wayne Gritsky. We'll get Karasov, and we'll get it even cheaper, and then we'll be done. All right. Jesus. And that's my final thought. All right. Well, we're gonna get out of here then. Thank you guys so much for hopping on. It was a lot of fun to do this. Um, rate the podcast review if you enjoyed it. Subscribe. Do all that stuff. And uh, we will see you later. Thank you for listening. All right. Well, I have a global.jersey4basketball.com. Karasev. You know, no, it's Karasiv jersey <laughs> for four ninety eight with free shipping. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Oh, that's a good note to end it on. Guys, we're going to wear it. Next time we all record, we're going to do a visual, and we're all going to wear these knockoff jerseys and see who wore it better. Yeah. (laughs) Solid move. All right. See you guys. All right. Good times. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.